Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. We hope that this message inspires you and brings impact to your life. Enjoy the message. Amen. While you're standing, I'm going to take your attention to Genesis chapter 1. Yes, back to Genesis. And uh, past little bit, we uh, taught a series and we're looking into the Genesis account and creation and in the fall and in uh, what our response was to the fall, what our response should be to the fall. And uh, so tonight or this morning, we're going to kind of just dive in a little bit, get into the weeds, so to speak, on on uh, what happened. Um, Genesis 1, 28 and 31 God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the fruit, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so, and God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Just talking to us this morning on a very simple title, The Kingdom, um, kind of going back and looking at things that were lost and just kind of unpacking those for us this morning. Uh, amen. If you have a good attitude, you can be seated. <clears throat> All right. So here we are in our text this morning, and um, we're... Where we are at is at the end of creation. This is at the end of the sixth day. And we know that on the seventh day that God rested, right? And so now we have the end of creation and we are told over and over again that this is good. And everything in creation is good. Everything that God spoke into existence is good. And then we move on to Genesis 2, where God plants a garden, and he, and he puts it in, in Eden. And what we see in Eden is a picture of the kingdom of God. Um, what we see there is order. We see life without death. Um, we see the presence of God uh, that is available, not through a veil, um, not some reflection, but the presence of God that walks in the cool of the garden with his people. And, and so what we're reading here and what we are seeing in Eden is, is the kingdom, right? The kingdom made, the kingdom established. And in fact, I don't know if you noticed this, but not only is God's presence full and, and ripe in the kingdom, but there's no death there. Zero. 
And did you notice in the text what was not on the menu? Meat. Meat was not. Why? Because in order to eat something of that, something had to die, and there was no death there. There was only life. Now, don't get all stressed out because you do get your ribeye in Genesis 11, okay? So, so some of you vegans who are like, I knew it, I told you. You just settle down just a little bit, all right? For you judge us so deeply of those who like to indulge in steak and chicken, and I, I better stop, so um, make you all hungry. But So now you have this world, you have this, this kingdom, there's, there's no chaos, okay? There's, there's no death, there is no strife, there is no pain. And it's said of the man and the woman that they are naked and unashamed. And we've talked about this before, several times before. He's not just, he's talking about not just their physical being, but actually their spiritual framework, okay? When the Bible speaks of the nakedness of Adam and Eve, it is referring to their spiritual structure, okay? Created in the perfect image of God, there's nothing to hide. There's, there's nothing to be ashamed of. They are fully seen, and they feel no shame. There's no need for them to run and hide. There's no need for them to pretend uh, that there's something that they're not. I mean, can you imagine what that must be like? The feeling of just, you know, how much energy is spent hiding shame? How much of our time is spent hiding these feelings of humiliation and shame? How much of our energy is spent hiding our spiritual structure, our spiritual framework? Yet that's not the kingdom. That's not uh, what you could call kingdom living. In, in, in the kingdom, there's no shame. There's, there's no fig leaves. There's, there's, there's just nothing to hide. There's nothing to run from, fully known, fully loved in the presence of God Almighty. Now, talking about this, the title today, the kingdom, and you, I say that word a lot, and I'll continue to say it throughout. Let me tell you what that is. <clears throat> this is the kingdom. It is chaos driven out through order. Okay, It is the presence of God unhindered. No death, only life. No shame, only peace, the kingdom of God, what was made, what was established, and that's what God created. A lot of people uh, would argue that, that this is what God created, that whenever you leave here, what you walk out into is what God created, and I would say, no, this is what humanity created. This is what the fall created. This is what the brokenness of man created. God created order. God created life. God created peace, okay? So Genesis is all, is, is establishing that, okay? It's establishing the kingdom. Look at verse 26. The Bible says, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion. I love that word. Everybody say dominion. Dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens 
and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them. So now you have the kingdom, and now we have people of the kingdom. Here's the church. Here's the steeple. All that fun stuff. Okay, so now you have the people of the kingdom, the man and the woman, and they are given a purpose. Okay? How many of you know you have purpose this morning? I hope you do. I hope that you know today that there is a reason for your existence. You have purpose today. You know how I know that? Because you were created by God. And God does not create any, he does not create anything insignificant, inferior, or without purpose. His plan for creating each and every one of us, he wasn't intentional about it. He was deliberate about it. David said this. He said, I cry out to the Most High God, the God who fulfills his purpose for me. Understand today, you walk out here with nothing else, understand God has a purpose for you, and God will fulfill that purpose. You were created on purpose for a purpose. All right. So Adam and Eve, they have purpose. They have a role in the kingdom. And what God just asked of Adam and Eve is, he's like, hey, do you see all of this order? Do you see what I have established here? Do you see all of this peace? Do you see the order? Do you see all that? I want you to go out into the chaos of the world and bring the kingdom to the chaos of the world. Bring order into it all. Bring light into darkness. Fill the earth. Subdue it. I've given you dominion over everything. Okay, so you have the kingdom. You have the citizens of the kingdom. And they know their role. And then you have the law of the kingdom. Not laws, plural, but the law of the kingdom. You see, there's real simplicity in the kingdom of God. It's not complicated. It is not confusing. Hey, living for God is simple. Kingdom living, living for God is easy peasy lemon. I'm not even going to finish it. Don't, don't overcomplicate it. Living for God is not complex. There was one law of the kingdom. One law. How many of you remember whenever you, whenever you were going to get your driver's license, how exciting that was, right? You were excited, pumped, but all at the same time stressed out about driver's ed, right? You, you did not want to fail driver's ed. When all, when all your buddies, your friends are getting their driver's license, you didn't want to be the one saying, I need a ride. You wanted to be the driver. It's funny, the older you get, the more you don't want to drive. You just want to get in. Just, I, just take me where I need to go, you know? I don't want to be the driver. I actually like to drive. Like, we go on vacation. I prefer to drive. I guess I just don't trust anybody else driving. But, I mean, uh, that's neither here nor there. But that's just something I deal with on a daily basis. But you remember, you know, just you, you were stressed out about driver's ed. You know, you, did, you made sure that you were studying, made sure that you were paying attention. And I can remember how intimidated I was, you know, a young 16-year-old boy just thinking about, how many laws exist just for driving a car, just for taking a car out in public? And sometimes you forget how many laws there are that just exist 
Many of us in the room, we so just intuitively drive, we forget all of the laws. And I don't know who needs to hear this today, but you actually have to use your turn signal. Did you know that? Like, it, it is not optional. It is not like, I feel like it, I, you know, I, just, I may, may. No, legally, legally, you must show the vehicles around you, hey, I'm going to get in the left lane here. Hey, the reason I'm slowing down here is I'm going to make a right turn. You, 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 and if you don't do this, you can be ticketed for what they call failure to signal, okay? And somebody said amen. I trust everybody in here uses their blinkers. Ah, frustrations at the four-way. There are hundreds of laws, okay? And that's just in driving a car. I didn't even mention speed limit, which is the easiest and yet the hardest, okay? There are all of these laws that we have to obey, but in the kingdom, there's one law. There's only one law. Genesis 2, verse 15. The Lord God took the man, put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. Think about how simple this is. Think about the simplicity of the kingdom. You have the presence of God made available, you, are, you have a purpose, you have dominion, you are made in the image of God, and there's one law, one, don't eat this, one rule, simple, easy, <coughs> and the question arises, why don't eat this, why can't I Eat this, because here's the law of the kingdom. God says, don't eat this. Why, God? Because what, I think God, what God was trying to show them. Why, God, why don't eat this? Because, Adam and Eve, what you need is me. What you've been built for, designed for, is my presence. And I think God was trying to establish in their minds, don't operate like you don't need me. Don't rebel against the thing that your soul most desperately needs. I'm sure that you get asked just as much as I do about why we don't and why we do, why we don't do certain things, why we don't do this and don't do that. Let me help you today. We refrain from things that have the power of taking us out of his presence. We stay away from things that can cause us to start operating like we don't need God. We're not headed to a get-together that God's presence isn't invited to also because he's what we need. He's what my soul most desperately needs. And God is saying, you don't need to know right from wrong. You need to know me. And you need to be in my presence. Okay? That's, that's what it is, this, this kingdom that God established, and that's the law of the kingdom. So let's, let's look at the beauty of what it means to be in the kingdom. Again, what is that? The presence of God, the order of God, the, the peace of God, the purpose of God, the power of God, 
with no death, no shame, order rather than chaos, peace, all this amazing things. Yet here's the conversation we must have. Because even though that's what we are after, okay, order rather than chaos, we know truthfully that we are surrounded by people who are not in the midst of peace. We are surrounded by people who are actually in the midst of chaos. Even some of us here today, whether we would like to admit that or not, I know how we come in, we can put on a smile, and we can shake a hand like nobody, okay? But you might be somebody today who's in the middle of what I'm calling chaos and strife and all of these things. There are those who are not experiencing harmony, but actually experiencing loss. There are those that are not tasting of the sweetness of life, but they're actually feeling the sting of death. So if this is the kingdom uh, uh, and God is the sovereign king, Bryce, what do we make of all of this? What do we make of all of our sorrows? Well, let's look at Genesis 3. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the beasts of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eye and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. And then the Bible says the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. Easily the most heartbreaking sentence in all the Bible. Among the trees in the garden, but the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? There's something happening here, there's something happening about the character of God that I don't want you to miss out on. In this, in this declaration of judgment, okay, in this rebellion against the king and the kingdom that's been established, God here is extending grace yet again. God is not asking these questions because He doesn't know the answer. Okay, God's not clueless in this matter. When God is like, hey, have you eaten of the fruit? It's not like God doesn't know. Okay, how many of you remember whenever you were younger and your parents stepped out of the room and you hit your siblings like you meant it, right? They start crying and mom and dad come back in and look, what happened? You know, It's not like God was in the kitchen and wasn't paying attention to what was going on. Then all of a sudden he looked back and was like, whoa, what what in the world is this? No, God knew. 
God knew. And yet, even in Adam's rebellion, we see God chasing him. They go against the kingdom. They go against what God said, and God shows up. And you know how he shows up? Not with a hammer in hand, but with grace, coaxing him out of his shame. Friend, don't tell me that God doesn't love us. Don't believe the lie from the pits of hell that says God doesn't love you and care about you. Is anybody thankful for the grace of God today that will call you out of your shame? God's not trying to keep you in a pit. God's trying to pull you up out of that and show you that he's a friend, that he loves you, and that he's there to help you. Adam and Eve rebelled. And God shows up, but not how you think he would. <clears throat> what did Adam and Eve deserve? Surely the opposite of what they got. Adam and Eve, what have you done? Did you do what I told you not to do? Verse 10, the Bible says, and he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told you that? Have you, have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? And, you know, here comes the relational strife, right? You know, the, the man said, the woman who you gave, she gave me the fruit and I ate. And God said to the woman, what is this that you've done? The woman said, the, the serpent deceived me and I, and I ate. And this is something that we've unpacked before, right? That, you know, self-righteous people, will never own the destruction of their sinful patterns. So they will always blame somebody else. They will always have a finger to point at the other and why the other is at fault and why their rebellion is actually on somebody else. One of the, one of the characteristics that you will see if you examine great leadership, whether, whether that be in companies or universities, what have you, one of, the, one of the characteristics that will stand amongst all the other things of great leaders is ownership. Ownership. They just take ownership. They never point the blame. They never point at somebody else's fault, make up excuses of why this happened and that happened and, and just excuse after excuse. No, there's ownership there. Self-righteous people will never, never own the destruction of their own sinful pattern. Well, this is why. Well, my parents did this, and this is why I am the way that I am, and it's because of this person and, and that person and, and on and on and on. One of the first steps to getting into this kingdom mindset and living in this life is simply owning up. Owning up to your mistakes. Confessing, I did. God, I did. I messed up. I ate the fruit. I was deceived. I believed. But you don't see that in Adam and Eve. Verse 14, the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go and dust shall you eat all the days of your life. Talking to the serpent, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain, you shall bring forth children. 
Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. And to Adam, he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Curse is the ground because of you. You see, you see the chaos invading again? You see the chaos invading in these pronouncements where once it was driven out. In pain, you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles that shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you are taken. For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Now there's, now there's death. Now we have chaos and death where there was harmony and life. Verse 20, the man called his wife's name Eve because she was, on the mother, she was the mother of all living and the Lord God made for Adam. And for his wife, garments of skins clothed them. Do you see the kindness of God in the midst of all this? Then God said, behold, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. Now, lest he reach out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. <clears throat> he drove out the man in the east, and at the east of the Garden of Eden, he placed the cherubim and a flaming sword that he turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. Genesis 3. It's all about the kingdom lost. The, the, the kingdom that, that, was, that was lost. The kingdom that was once established by God, created, is now gone. I hate it when I lose things. It's, it's worse when you're looking for the glasses that are on your face, right? the keys that are in your pocket. I hate it when I lose things. I'm going to ask our music to come, but I hate it. I, I remember one time searching for a pair of jeans in my house that I knew, knew was in my house. Never end up founding them. A lot of times they get behind the dresser drawer somehow, and they're just all back there. You got a whole wardrobe behind the dresser, the drawers. That's why those doors won't close, right? Just a tip, but... It's so frustrating when you can't find something you lost. When you read Genesis 3, you realize there was so much that was lost. So much lost in this chapter. <clears throat> but hear me. Nothing as significant as the loss of God's presence. The one thing that we desperately need to thrive as created beings is the presence of the creator, the presence of the king. Without it, we are simply left discombobulated. We are left confused. We are left frustrated. We are left like blind men and women reaching out to heal a disease that we neither understand nor can we fix on our own. We need the presence of God. Don't lose his presence. 
It's, it's what makes the kingdom possible. There is no kingdom without the king. There was so much lost in this chapter. And we see the consequences for Adam and Eve. We see, we see creation reordered. There was peace and there was life and there was no chaos. And now you have, what do you have? Thorns and thistles. Instead of vegetation. You have death now. You have Adam and Eve now being you will die. You will go back to where you came from. You will return to the dust. You have all of this creation that's twisted so that Paul would write in a letter later on, a letter to the Romans, that all of creation groans, longing to be redeemed, longing to be reconciled back into what? The kingdom. Back into what was meant to be. That's that's what you feel. That's what you feel. That longing in your heart, that searching, something's missing in my life. I can't figure it out. And, And we try to figure it out. And we try to fill it with things, things that temporarily ease it, but then it comes back. There's an ache. There's a longing inside of us. There's this feeling in all of us. Ecclesiastes says that God has put eternity in our hearts. You cannot feel eternity with what is temporal. You simply can't do it. That longing in your heart and in your soul cannot be filled with anything outside of God. That's why we need the presence of God. That's what this world needs. That's what this church needs. That's what your home needs. Your home needs the presence of God. The kingdom that I'm talking to you about this morning is all about his presence. I don't want to lose the presence of God. Hey, we can come in here and we can sing some good songs. We can clap. We can shout. We can run, but if we don't have the presence of God, what do we what do we leave here and we tell our lost family, man, we just we ran fast today and we we sang loud today. No. We need to tell them about our experience with with what the presence of God. Stand with me this morning, if you will. the basic plot line of the kingdom it's simply the plot line could be narrowed down to just a few words dwelling dominion and when we talk about when we talk about dwelling what we're talking about is God's presence with his people the whole bible 
from Genesis to Revelation could be summed up in three words. God with us. That's the story of the Bible. Let it be the story of your family. Let it be the story of Landmark. Let it be the story of your career. God with us. We need the presence of God. Moses wouldn't go forward without it. I don't want to go forward without it. I don't want to go to a new building without it. I need the presence of God. We need the presence of God. Would you lift up your voice with me right now? Lift up your hands and just... Come on, would you just thank him for his presence right now? <clears throat> Come on, thank him for his presence. Let, let not a service like this become commonplace. Come on, I know we're gathered and we think it's just another adult Sunday school lesson. And this is, sometimes we're guilty of thinking this is just another service. This is not just another service. This is an opportunity to dwell in the presence of the King to dwell in the presence of God Almighty. And God, we thank you for your amazing presence, God. We thank you that you decided to dwell among your creation, God, so much that you put on skin and bone and you moved into the neighborhood to get a little bit closer to us, God. We thank you. Thank you for listening. Special thanks to those that give generously to this ministry. If you would like more information, please visit our website at landmarkapostolicchurch.net. But have a great day and God bless.